I'm blessed tonight. How about you? I can tell you that the devil will do everything he can to drag us down and discourage us. I am thankful for a church where the Spirit of God lifts us, encourages us, and edifies us. Now let's turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And once again, we're going to receive a strong word from Paul's writings. Philippians chapter 3, and I would like to begin reading tonight at verse 7, and I will take it down to about verse 14. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Here it is again. I I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Moving forward, getting beyond yesterday's pain unresolved questions and regrets, reconciling the past and now pressing into the future, the destiny. This passage tells us that God has a destiny for every one of us. He has a calling, and that is to know Him and to be like Him, and then to allow Him to flow through us to touch a hurting and a lost world. God has a destiny. Who am I that he would be mindful of me? That he would call me friend? And go beyond that, not even go beyond friendship to purpose. That he would take a sinner, messed up and wretched, and he would come to where I was. He would lift me from that horrible place and he would set my feet on a whole new foundation. His very word and, and he would wash me and cleanse me and then he would set me in a path of destiny so that my life could count before I go to heaven. He has a destiny for every one of us. And that destiny will cost us everything. And it's worth it. Paul said in verse number 8, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else 
is worthless. He is prepared to pay any cost to know Christ. You see, he's teaching us that destiny is a force and not a fate. In verse 13, he uses two action words. He uses the word forgetting and then pressing on. Destiny will not happen to you. You have to happen to it. You must become intentional. We must have some desire. We must have some passion because there will be opposition to reaching the destiny that God has for our lives. If you are a golfer, especially like me, you understand very well a sand trap. And when you are in a sand trap, you have to come through with the club. You come through with, there's force. Because there is opposition set against the golf ball. And the only way you're going to bring the golf ball out is to use force. If it's going to move forward, which is the prayer. If it's going to move forward, you, you can't just ease your way into it. You have to bring force into the momentum that will move that ball forward. And what is so interesting, if you were here this morning, I showed you at the end how that which was holding me back, reconciled to God, then is part of the process of propelling me forward, right? Well, it's interesting in a sand trap, you don't hit the ball, you hit the sand. And that which is in opposition that is keeping the ball in that place is the very thing that then will be used when you come through with force that moves the ball forward. That is a sermon all in and of itself. You have opposition against you. Destiny won't just happen. So the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it. They take it. Everybody say take it. They take it by force. Do you want it? Then you've got to go get it. You've got to go after it. You've got to passionately pursue the destiny that God has for your life. It won't happen by accident. This momentum that is created through this passionate pursuit is necessary to move forward. Moving forward is an automatic. It will be against everything that the devil can bring against us. So we are poised and we are resolute to go forward. If it requires everything, then let's put God first. Paul said that I might know him. Teaching us that destiny, it's not about something. You're, you're not after something in your destiny, young people. You're after someone. You're after God. I don't want to go after just being a great preacher. I want to go after being a great man of God. If I work more on being, then I'll be more effective in what God has called me to do. So often we worked on the craft and the skill set rather than going after Christ and His glory. Oh, that I might know Him. Passionately, desperately seeking God. Pursuing His purpose being the number one goal. You see, as the Spirit is at work in our lives, one of the identifying characteristics is vision. One of the characteristics of the enemy's work in our life is confusion. So we go after it. And we pay the price. 
If the devil can try to distract us with paying a price to us, he will offer to pay a price. He's never good on his offer, but he will try. If some kind of fame or some kind of power, some kind of issue can distract you from the call of God on your life, Satan will pay that price. If there is a price of offense, pain, or trouble that would cause you to quit and go home, Satan will pay that price. How much fear will it take? How much offense, how much trouble, how much pain? You see, how hard does it have to be to where I throw in the towel and I quit? Look at the the life of Paul. Here's a man who lived in such a way that says, you can't offend me off of the call of God. You can't scare me off of the call of God. You can't make it too difficult. I am going to pay the price to know him and to make him known. There is an American gospel that is causing us to go after comfort over the sacrifice of doing the will of God. Millions, even over a billion out there tonight that have never heard the name Jesus. And may we be careful in the American church that in our pursuit of our best life now, that we don't forget that in this life there is challenge, there are problems, and there is some pain. And if we're going to pack up and go home when we get offended, hurt, or it gets hard, then we're not going to last long in the real race. This is a race, and this is a fight, and we're not after success. We are after Christ's likeness and walking in the supernatural power of Almighty God. We want Christ. Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my left, and Christ on my right. Christ in every word that I speak. Christ in every thought that I think until it's Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears about me. Christ in every mouth that speaks of me. Christ in every heart that thinks of me. Oh, that I might know Christ so that I can make Him known. Momentum is fed by this attitude That knowing Christ and making Him known is the goal of my life. Otherwise, I'm just a helpless pawn on the sea of fate. Hoping that the wind will push me in some right direction. When I say grab a paddle and start moving in the right direction. Walking in destiny, there's a cost, there's a force, there's a momentum. What can stop our destiny is an unreconciled past. I covered a few of those things this morning, a few more tonight. First of all, unsurrendered assets will stop our destiny. The top of Philippians 3, Paul gives us his resume, and it's an incredible resume. This man had a certain position. He was was Ivy League, and yet none of that was more valuable to him than the call of God. He was willing to surrender even the assets. See, we often think of 
of reconciling the pain, the questions, and the regret. Tonight I'm asking, is there anything that you have that you're not willing to give to God? Is there an asset in your life that you're not willing to give up? If, if there's anything that you have that God can't have, then that will live to stop your destiny. Relationships that don't promote God's purpose have to be reconciled. They have to be brought before God. Young people, hear this word tonight. If you show me your friends, I can show you your future. Company is important. Who you are with is important. No one can, can, can think he will become wise if he hangs around with a fool. And we need to be careful that it's not just a word to young people. That's a word to all of us. We can't negotiate the word of God. The word is the word. And if, if as a, an adult or a young adult, you, you are trafficking into a relationship that is outside the boundaries of God's word, you better reconcile that tonight because that will stop your destiny. Hear from my heart tonight. Your destiny is more important than any relationship. It's interesting when I I think about dreams that don't promote God's will in your life. Yes, dreams. We have to reconcile some dreams. Dreams that are not part of God's plan. If there's any great illustration, it would have to be American Idol. Some of those people have a dream that is not part of God's plan for their life. Somebody needs to say, hello, clue phone. It is for you. You can't sing. I don't care what mama told you. I don't care what lessons you've had. You can't sing. The reason Simon is so popular because he just tells people the truth. Prioritize your life. If there's desire for other things than the dream and the destiny that God has for you, you need to reconcile that tonight. Well, here's a very important one. Trying to experience something good from the past. Some people had some really good things in their past and they're constantly trying to relive that. I call it the Uncle Rico syndrome. And I just identified those who have seen Napoleon Dynamite where Uncle Rico had a certain set of skills. Uh, And that's all you'll get on that and that will not be online. Bull hunting skills, nunchuck skills. And Uncle Rico was this guy who all he could think about was when he played football in high school. He couldn't get beyond it. Those were good years and he couldn't get beyond it. Can I apply that to the church? When Luther and Calvin, great men who are named among great moves of God in our history, when they saw a dynamic move of God, it was more cerebral And out of it came great doctrine, like we're justified by faith. It is faith in the grace of God alone. It is faith in the grace of the finished work of Calvary. Great doctrine came out of that great move of God. When you fast forward several years and you come into the Wesley revival and the Whitfield revival, it is more direct, passionate preaching 
where transformation of hearts are being experienced. And, and Wesley's message was so strong that they kicked him out of the modern day church. So he went out to a cemetery where his dad was buried and his dad had told him, if they ever kick you out of the church for preaching the word, just preach outside. And so that first sermon, he stood up on his father's tombstone and hundreds of people gathered and he preached the word. And it was at that moment that he declared that the world is now my parish. And he preached and Whitfield preached and people were dramatically changed, revolutionized. Then you, you move forward many, many years to the, to the Welsh revivals and there was a lot of praise and worship testifying out of the stories of life change, other people would have their lives changed. One of the coal miners came home, lost as a ball in tall weeds spiritually, and his wife was gone to the church meeting. She didn't have supper ready, and he was mad. He said, I'm going to that meeting. I'm going to break up that meeting. When he came to the church building, it was packed with people. He had to press his way through to try to get to the platform to break up the meeting. By the time he had gotten to the front of the church, the Spirit of God had melted his old hard coal miner heart. And there at that altar, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. No one was preaching. It was in the flow of the worship of God. Now, we would put the Welsh revivals, Wesley and Whitfield, Calvin and Luther all in a group and say, God, do it again. But I want you to see that the manifestation in each situation had a uniqueness. Is it all right for this present day generation to have an authentic move of God, even if it doesn't sound like, look like, as it did back then? Hey, I'm thankful for what happened back then, but I can't go back there. We are now here, and we've got to talk to the people who are pulling up here today and believe God for a move of God right here and right now that will change them just as it did then. Can I get any help in this room? We need a move of God here and now. And I'm not about to... Prescribe to God how it should look, how it should sound, how it should play out. That's up to God. I just want God. I want God. I'm not hung up on how it manifests. I want Him. I want young people whose hearts are on fire. I want families who love God. I want adults and senior adults. I want an entire church who will say, we want God, nothing more and nothing else. We want God and God alone. Oh, to think we would have an entire church wholly devoted to God. Oh, let's let the fire burn in our hearts for God. Second love is sin. He has called us. To our first love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We all right? Okay. You in a hurry. I competed with the Super Bowl last week. I think I have the Grammys tonight. Is that right? Who cares? All right. Let's have church. We want God. Amen. Come on. 
The assembly wants God. Now let me try to be extremely practical. All of you have heard the acronym SMART when it's used for goals. Paul said, I press toward the goal. He had a goal. We ought to have a, a SMART goal. Let's take the word SMART. If you want to take notes, the word S is going to stand for that which is specific. Let's have a specific goal. What is your goal in your spiritual walk? When we roll out these spiritual growth plans, it's going to ask you to get specific. I don't want to come into 2009 and say, I just want to be more like Jesus. I, that's too general. That's like saying, I want to lose weight. I, I've got to get specific. I want to lose weight starting tonight. Starting, no, let's start tomorrow. Hey, hey let's. Not tonight, come on. Tomorrow or Thursday. Who, how about Thursday? Can I get, see that hand? So move, so be it. Thursday. We'll start on Thursday. We're kind of building a relationship here, aren't we? Specific. Freddie Couples and Jim Nance were roommates in college. Freddie Couples' goal was to not just be a golfer, but to one day win the Masters. Jim Nance had a goal to be in communications, but it was more specific. He wanted to be a great sports announcer. They moved that from a specific goal, the next letter M, measurable, to a measurable goal. He said... I want to win the Masters, and Jim, I want you to be the announcer when I win the Masters. And ten years later, Fred Couples won the Masters. And when he came up into that butler cabin and was interviewed, it was none other than Jim Nance that interviewed him. They set a specific goal. I want to know God. Now look at the fruit of the Spirit and identify The fruit of the Spirit that needs to grow more in your life. I look at what needs to grow more in my life. I'll just be very, very uh, transparent for a moment. I need more patience. Nothing moves fast enough. You know? So y'all pray for me. I was wanting you to say amen, but you didn't say it quick enough, so I'm going to go on and preach the rest of the sermon. So I can say I want to be like Jesus, but those around me would say, and the way that can happen in your life is if you would become more patient. So now I need to get specific and I need to make it measurable, measurable, you know, like the weight thing, can I, can I lose three pounds this week? I want to lose weight. Okay, measurable. Three pounds this week. I saw on a church bulletin, it wasn't too long ago, they had a ministry called Pray It Off. You didn't pray it on. You want to pray it off. See, that's... That's the American gospel. We just, we want all of the blessing and none of the sacrifice. 
Somebody needs to start my car. Could you go? Devin, it's heating hot. Specific, measurable. Let's put the next two letters together so we can hurry and go watch the Grammys. Attainable and reasonable. A and R. Attainable and reasonable. Uh, Aren't you thankful for our youth pastor and his wife, Corby? You guys are awesome. Awesome. Let me talk about attainable, reachable. I was with a young person one time, and he said, I want you to help me do strategic thinking. This was a youth pastor. He said, I want to raise more money for Speed Delight. I said, okay. I said, what is your goal? He says, this year we're going to give $75,000 to Speed Delight. Now, I'm knowing his whole church budget's not $75,000. Like, like, not the youth budget. I'm talking the entire church budget. I said, how much did you give to Speed Delight last year? He says, we gave $75. How many in your youth group? 17. The guy turned in a pledge for $75,000. Attainable, reachable. See, I, I want to always take the passion of, I want to know him. But tomorrow, if all we do is wake up with the stirring, but we haven't gotten specific, measurable, attainable, reachable... Then, then it's a sermon that gets left in, in the rafters and it walks around on that catwalk up there. And I want it to go with you and I want it to go with me so that when I wake up tomorrow, it makes life better. This morning's message was so that when you wake up tomorrow, you're free from past regret, past questions and past bitterness. Tonight is waking up tomorrow and having a specific goal that is measurable, attainable and reachable. If you have not been praying any, you should not set a goal to pray one hour a day. We need to start with 15 minutes a day. We need to start with five out of the next seven days. The worship in this room would heat up dramatically if just those who've had no personal devotions would have personal devotions five out of the next seven days. Start with where you are. Start with that which is attainable and reachable. And finally, T, timely. Timely. See, Rico had goals that he could no longer attain. They, their time had, had run out. I don't want to be after a dream that's, that can't be realized. Whose time has passed. That which is here and now. The new work that God wants to do. I close tonight by this word press. Paul says, I press. I press. Hear that. I press. It's not just I flow. I just flow into what God... It's I press. That's a word of action. That is a word that says there can be some tension. This is not going to be easy. I I feel a a burden in my heart to make sure that, that we don't get caught up in this Americanized gospel that says it's always going to be easy. And we know more about success and principles of success than we do Christ and our willingness to sacrifice and pay any price 
in order to know him and to make him known. This present day gospel says if it gets hard, it must not be God. If it's uphill all the way, you must not be on the right path. When uh, anything of value that I know was of God in my life, it was never easy. It never just happened. There had to be a sense of force, determination, perseverance, passion, saying, I will not give up. It's a Caleb spirit. It's Paul saying, I am going to see this. I'm going to press that I might attain that which Christ has called. That's what we need. We need some good old-fashioned grit in our soul that says, even though it's hard, yet will I serve Him, praise Him, worship Him, and, and do anything I can that He might be real to me and known through me. Hallelujah. I press, I press, I press. Yes, I, I press. It's possible to be balanced in life and not be comfortable. I didn't understand that. I, I got caught up in this and, and life didn't seem to be balanced because life wasn't comfortable. And the Holy Spirit has shown me it is quite possible to be balanced and be uncomfortable. When you work out on weights... If you were going to do the bench press and you put all the weight on one side, you're not only going to be uncomfortable, you're going to be imbalanced. And you're going to have serious problems. If you balance the weight, you now have balance, but it's still difficult and you still have to say the word. You have to. I want to be a great man of God. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great father. I want to be a great pastor to you. And at times I'm going, God, how can you do that and keep balance? Here it is. It's not going to be comfortable, but it's possible. I'm going to have to press. But if I press, I press in the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. And I'm able to do what I couldn't do in my own strength. And He raises me to a self that is higher and greater than myself. My God, my God. Let this stir in your heart. You can do more than you think you can. Not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, i got to close it down. Or Edmund Hillary, he's the first man who climbed Mount Everest. He came off the mountain. They interviewed him and they said, you conquered the mountain. He said, no, I didn't. He said, I conquered myself. The call of God is not the issue. It's me. Paul reconciled everything. To the destiny. Every bad thing. And every good thing. To where he was fully free. To go forward. In the realization. Of the call of God. On his life.
Would you pray with me tonight?